Welcome to Raising Standards with Rhiannon Evans and Matt Smith, a true Roman history podcast for true Romans. Hail Caesar. Welcome to Raising Standards, a rewatch podcast in which we take a fond look at HBO's Rome. I'm your host, Matt Smith, and joining me as always is Associate Professor Rhiannon Evans, a classicist from La Trobe University. In this podcast, we'll bring you a special interview with Ian McNeese. Viewers of Rome will know him as the newsreader, but he's also familiar to viewers of Doc Martin, as well as featuring in episodes of Doctor Who as Winston Churchill, performing across from my namesake, Matt Smith. Under the protection of Pompey Magnus and Julius Caesar, Senate sits tomorrow. Be aware. No disorder will be tolerated. I guess the main thing I wanted to say is that I, I'm really pleased that Ian can talk to us and I enjoyed his performance so much and just watching it again made me think of all the advice that the ancient rhetoricians give to speakers, that they have to use their whole bodies and gesture so much and that it's not just, just the voice enough, just saying the words isn't enough. So um, I really appreciated that performance and I guess wondered whether you got any inspiration from those kind of sources. Yes, it was quite an um, extraordinary experience because um, I got a phone call from the producer, Frank Dolger, who I'd worked with on a TV show called Conspiracy about the Vanze Conference, which was a terrific show, HBO, about um, Heydrich and Eichmann sitting around a table discussing the Holocaust. So anyway, um, he rang me out of the blue and said, look, I've been making this series called Rome. And I said, I know, Frank, I try to get on it, you know. And he said, well, look, he said, the thing is this, is that we've completed, we've nearly completed the sort of first 12 episodes, but there's something not quite right. There's something missing. And I've I've come up with this idea for um, a character called the newsreader, which you... Would you come out to Rome and just do a, a test for me? And I said, sure. So I flew out to Rome and um, we sat down and he said, look, there's this character called the newsreader, but uh, um, we've got this researcher who's come up with uh, extraordinary stuff. That, that They did have these newsreaders, but they did these gestures and there, there was a pamphlet that showed all the gestures and stuff and said, Said so. When you do it, could could you do these gestures? I said sure. So so we we went to the set and we filmed about two of these um, newsreader sections uh, uh, with all the gestures, some of which I improvised as well, made my own, uh, and they sent it back to HBO. And about two weeks later, I had a phone call from Frank saying, "Yeah, well, they liked the idea. So can you come out and we'll, we'll do some more?" And I said, "Yeah." And I went out and we filmed. 12 sections, 12 episodes, all in a week or 10 days. And then uh, and then they put them into the show. And uh, you, you, you can understand that, that most of the actors have been out there for a year, right, making 12 episodes. Mm. I turn up and I do, I do 12 episodes in a week, get paid for 12 <laughs> episodes in a week. So you can imagine how pissed off they were, I can tell you. So that's really how it happened. That kind of explains, I guess, in, in the first season how um, there's there's so little interaction between you and the other characters, I guess, because you see some of them oh, yeah. walking along in the background. I, th- I think there's Tim on in the Absolutely. first episode. That's all, 
that's all put in later. I yeah. Mean, I was there on my own with a crowd. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that's what I was. It was extraordinary. I mean, it was a, it was an amazing experience, I have to say. But but it was, um, and I can't get over. Uh, uh, I mean, I still get tweets from people saying, you know, "Hail Caesar, we loved you." You know, so, so that's you know, it it it's uh, it really became a cult, and um, I think a lot of people were upset that. We only did two series, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to more. And I think it's basically to do with the fact that it was so expensive. I do like what one of the producers uh, uh, said to me one day when I said, God, you know, it's such an amazing thing to come out to Rome and to film all these uh, extraordinary things uh, um, on the back lot in, in, in Rome. Why did you do it? Because it's, it's such an expensive thing to do with flying everybody out mm -hmm. there and putting them up and he said and he turned to me and said yeah but the the light the light is so good here and I went oh okay but the light's good sure so you're enjoying all your outings to Rome restaurants <laughs> two weeks into a year and stuff you know yeah yeah the light's great it's called immersive it's 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 research at that point <laughs> so um when you, when you were there and, and you were just there for a week, but when it went to the second season, then the second series, the second season, did you find it to be a big difference then with that experience? Because I, I guess you were more integrated then. Absolutely. In the second series, what happened then was they decided rather than do my whole 12 episodes in one go, what they did was they um, we split it up into, I think, four sections. Mm -hmm. So after they completed three episodes, they flew me out. I did the first three. Then after the next three episodes they filmed, they did the next three. But there were people around, obviously, who were part of the cast and so that they could put into the shots and stuff. So there's a marked difference between series one and series two because series two I was more involved with what was going on. Yes, yes. And... Uh the the people in front of you because I, I I gather that a lot of the extras for this show were Italians from what I've read. Absolutely, did they have yeah. the faintest idea what you were going on about? Not not a clue, <laughs> not an absolute clue. There I was, some idiot just, standing on a box, waving my just, arms around, and God knows, I, I think they I think they may have understood the words "Hail Caesar" or oh, Caesar of course, or yeah, Gaius Julius Caesar and stuff like that, but they hadn't got a hadn't got a clue what the heck I was going on about, but. Most of the crew didn't either. So, <laughs> so did you have a backstory for your character? Because we know him as the newsreader. I, I occasionally call him the orator. You're absolutely right, because that that name, the orator, uh, basically what the newsreaders were, were they were failed orators, right? They'd gone in to try and be an orator mm. in the, um, you know, the great scheme of things. But they didn't make it. They didn't, you know, hack it. So basically, they ended up being being these these newsreaders on, on on streets and stuff like that. But what I enjoyed, right, was the um, which I wish we'd I'd push for more of it in a second series, um, which was the fact that they did adverts as well. Oh yes, yes. Which I think okay. was hysterical because they would suddenly say the bread and so-and-so's house is the best bread in the world and stuff like that. So, so there would be little adverts. And I said to the writers in in, um, in America, I said, look, the, the adverts are great because it just breaks it up and it makes it quite funny too. So so I pushed for that more. I, I, I didn't get as much as I wanted, mm -hmm. but at least I got 
I got some because I thought that that was such a good little nick, but you had all this stuff going on. Frank Dolger, the producer, wanted to explain what was happening in the story. So that's what we did with mm. that. But then we had the added bonus of trying to sort of, you know, put in the stuff about, you know. Uh, true Roman bread for true Romans. I mean, you're... <laughs> yes, that's right. That, that That's exactly... That's exactly the, uh, and that that picked up. I, I mean, I get quite a lot of tweets, you know, with that reference yes. <laughs> because they like that. They, they like that little phrase. I noticed the phrase "deserving families," which um, I think f sounds like something that our politicians would say these days. I know you're not a politician in this role, but it sounds like right. you're repeating that kind of rhetoric. And yeah, so there's that going on, and I just. I like the fact that you said it's it's you know it's giving some of the story it's but it's really entertaining. Well, that's what it was. Yeah, I mean it was definitely it was definitely that was the whole scheme of things. That's what Frank want, wanted to do because he, he thought, heck, um, I think I'm going to need to explain some of this. So I'm saying, well, they're obviously thinking this isn't holding together too well. Let's try and explain it a little so people know what's going on a bit. You know, so I think that's what that. Exposition is so hard to do in a way that's interesting. So incorporating it as a character mm. and yes. then having those little bits of social background dropped in, like, you know, yeah. a, a runaway slave or, yeah. you yes. know, we're yes. going to have this yes. for sale Absolutely. today or so-and-so is providing the bread, as you say. That no, tells I, you what's I going on. That. I love that because that, that, that just made it more human and more interesting and more accessible mm. uh, as opposed to being just very dry. So, so did you have a name for your character that you came up with? You know what? We never got a name for him. Ah. So, no, I think we can, you know. Rhiannon, surely I mean, you must be able to come up with some sort of question. Shall, asterisk related I shall pun. come back next week with a name for him. I will, I will. I'll pick something up. Plabius or something. Or know that he got off that box and went back to some hovel somewhere. Just, you know, just, just, just absolutely stag because he was such a slob. One thing that I like about the character that, um, that I don't, know whether it was intentional or not and um is that when rome seemed to be going well when everybody was celebrating caesar it seemed to be a nice sunny uh crowded roman forum when caesar had died when things were going bad when there was civil war you were essentially in the rain it was very gloomy so i, I kind of took you to be as a bit of a um a symbol of rome itself as you were continuing through the show I think that's very good, yeah, because actually, yes, you're absolutely right. When it was good, there was a lot of people around, there was a hubbub and stuff like that, and there were people listening and stuff like that. Once things got a little sort of trickier and uglier, people were away. Mm. People weren't even listening. It was a very quiet, quiet section. That was quite a good thing to do. And, and your voice sort of conveyed that as well because it drops off at the end in those down periods as opposed it does to... it does because no one's listening and, and, <laughs> and you know there's one lovely point where i think i just get off the plinth myself and uh it's raining i think it's like you know it's you're standing coming in the rain, rain yeah but i think that was season's death soaked or something. yeah yeah no no it's good it's good stuff yeah I, I know how you feel because towards the end of semester, students aren't turning up for lectures anymore and you feel the same, like, is anybody listening? <laughs> They're all somewhere else writing essays. <laughs> oh, that, that's very good. That's, I, I like that. I like that. No one turning up anymore towards yeah. the end in exactly the same way that no one was turning up for him. It's like, you know, it's like theatre jobs where you're playing to very few people in the audience, mm. you know, any 
Yeah, but it was like that. It was, I think, with the failed orator thing, it was like, you know, I mean, he had to get their attention. But to, towards the end, with, with people dropping off, he just lost it as well, I think. He just couldn't be bothered. Mm. So what was your impression of the set? Because it seemed that you were the character who got the most out of that forum, and that was a, such an oh, amazing... Oh, I mean, the set was fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, what What was actually very funny, right, was, um, I'll let you into a little anecdote here, was that um, uh, years later, years, years later, my agent rang me and said, um, there's a family from uh, um, Dubai they want you to go out to Rome uh, to be the newsreader at their uh, at their son's wedding. You're kidding! And I said, what? What? <laughs> no. So, so, so I said they want me to go and be the the newsreader. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, because the set's still there, and they're going to have the wedding there. Wow! And I said, well, okay. So, so I had to go to a, a costume house in London and try and work out a toga that I could wear. For the, so I did that. I flew out to Rome for the three days to, to, the, to this amazing wedding that took place. And what they'd done was that they, they got the whole set of Rome, which is still there, mm. right? But they created this sort of Roman banquet going on uh, with people dre- dressed in roaming, all their extras, as it were, all the people, hell, the helpers were in Rome. And I was presented in various moments around the sets with lights going up and a microphone and i had to do sort of you know my roman speak yeah. but in corporate for members of the family wow their family saying you know so and so has come from you know so so and they're here today at this roman festivities <laughs> and, you know and, and so we did all that and there were three or four sections of that and then i ended up in the discotheque at, you know at, at about two in the morning <laughs> you tiger still Matoga still good, good. just <laughs> d- dancing away with some of the young guys going, "Hey, weren't you an Ace Ventura too with Jim Carrey?" <laughs> All righty then. So it was extraordinary, but it was it was the most bizarre thing that there I was as the newsreader again, but you know, sort of welcoming people from Mumbai and, and it's bizarre. See, I, I didn't know so that I- was an option when I got married. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you'd have had me, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a whole new career as a new, as a news reader at weddings. Yeah, no, that was a, it was quite a wonderful experience, it's, I have to say. Lots of worlds coming together there. So the thing I want to know, yeah. of course, is was it uncomfortable to wear the toga? Because apparently the Romans hated them, and Augustus, when he came into power, had to persuade them to wear them. They were heavy. I love my toga. My toga was my favourite thing because it was so relaxed, it was, you know. You know, I had a pair of tights on underneath to keep me warm, but apart from that, it was just free freedom. <laughs> so, so togas are great, you know, and, and they're certainly good for the gestures because there's nothing <laughs> holding you back. You know? <laughs> then, I think the ancient ones probably weren't of the, made of the same kind of comfort no, material. No, they were wool. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, well, it's good to know that you didn't have to put up with that discomfort because there's no. a lot of complaints. And so, you weren't wearing a tunic underneath. That there was, was no. The... Ch- oh, that's probably what they had underneath as well. No, no, I had a t-shirt and some nice, that nice, you know, gym jams. It was great. You, you, you're <laughs> killing the magic here for us. <laughs> no, no, I, I know. Like it. The magic is all going. No, I had a very rough outfit on. <laughs> but clearly, the, you didn't get to keep the toga then, if you had to go in search of one. No, no, no. The toga. Uh, film companies are tricky about that because what happens is that. Quite often I will get to the end of sort of filming something and I say, 
do you think I could buy the outfit that I wear? I said, no, unfortunately, in case we have to do some uh, uh, reshoots and stuff mm. like that, we have to keep everything locked yeah, up until, yeah. until they got clearance to set it all. So no, didn't get to keep the toga. But there were, there were probably hopes that there would be more Rome at that point, I suppose. Oh, I did definitely think so. I think by the end of the second series mm. that, that they, they were probably hoping for a third, which, which I think we all were. There was talk a little while after, maybe last year or the year before, about a about a feature. Mm. I said, don't forget the newsreader has got to be in there well, too. You essentially you know, could have so. done the third season or a movie at the wedding while you were there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly right. I did Four weddings in a toga. Come on. That's <laughs> <laughs> very good. Four weddings in a toga. I love that. Yes. Well, it does I feel put like that the... in my resume. I should put that in my resume. Now. Four weddings in a toga. It does feel like the story's incomplete. You can see where, what the yes. third season would have done. Well, mm. certainly yeah. knowing yeah, no, where it no, moved no, on exactly, to. Exactly. Exactly. It's good to know that the set is still there and being used anyway. <laughs> what a fantastic uh, thing to do because it's like um, that uh, uh, set is um, is such so steeped in in history with so many incredible films that I think Cleopatra even may have gone there years ago. Uh, 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 and certainly um, Gangs of New York, I think bits of their set was still up around the corner. Mm. So it was a fantastic place to be. Anyway, take okay. care. All, All the right. best. Yep. Thank you very Thank much. All right. You take care too. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Raising Standards, a fond rewatch podcast of HBO's Rome with Rhiannon Evans and Matt Smith. And my thanks to our special guest today, Ian McNeese. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can follow us on Twitter. Rhiannon is at Dr. Rhiannon Evans. I'm at Nightlight Guy. Ian McNeese is at Ian McNeese1950. And the podcast is at Rome Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Matt Smith. You've been fantastic. And thanks for listening. A fine reward is offered for the return of a slave woman stolen or absconded from the house of Claudius Appius. The following noblemen returning from Greece have received pardon of Caesar and must not be harmed. Publius Servilius Gasca, Marcus Dullius Cicero, Gaius Cassius Longinus, and Marcus Junius Brutus. The traitor Pompey has fled to Egypt. Glorious Caesar follows.